This is the Hat Soil Health Podcast, a production of Hoosier Ag Today and the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, a program of the Indiana Conservation Partnership. In each episode, we spotlight the numerous efforts around the state by CCSI and its many partners to improve soil health on Indiana cropland. This episode was recorded live at the 32nd Annual National No-Tillage Conference. Our first guest is from the magazine No-Till Farmer. He talks about the history of the conference, what it's grown to today, and his thoughts on the future of No-Till and the conference. Our second guest talks about his time at the conference, which is held in January. Here's your host, Elise Koning. Hello and welcome to the Hat Soil Health Podcast. I'm here at the 32nd Annual National No-Tillage Conference, and I am here with Mike Lesseter, who is part of the publication in charge of that. We're gonna talk about the history of the conference, why it's important, and how exciting it is to have it here in Indianapolis in a state where we have a lot of soil health systems going in. We have a lot of cover crops. So, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's a a great pleasure to be back here. Um, This is where this conference originated 32 years ago this winter, was right here in downtown Indianapolis. So we're we're very proud of of the history and the heritage here in Indiana, and uh, pleasure to be with you, Elise. Thank you for having us. And, you know, right when I walked in, it was during one of the networking sessions, you have several different... Uh, vendors out there who are talking with participants and participants are networking with one another sharing ideas there was just a lot of excitement in the air even as I just walked in this morning yeah yeah we're, we're really proud of that it's a formula that we, we put together back in 1993 when we had the first one and uh, my dad Frank he's the the founder of our company and the the uh, it's been editor of no-till farmer for 52 years if you can believe that still still going going strong but um, he wanted to have an event that um, we didn't tell everybody how to do it the re- they have to you know put the recipe together but it was to be very open and sharing and, and kind of uh, inform about all the ingredients but farmers needed to put it together themselves and it he kept he caught lightning in a bottle with that networking uh, plan and it's continued to this day so tell us a little more about the conference's origins. Why was there a need for this particular conference? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll go back a little bit before that. My my dad has, uh, was the first editor of No Till Farmer in the fall of 1972, and he moved our, our family from Illinois, where I was born, up up to Wisconsin to kind of write this publication and. And people thought he was a little bit crazy. He had a, he had a good ag journalist name, and they were saying, no-till? You're going to attach your name to the no-till concept? That's crazy. It's maverick. Uh, and, and what they did is uh, they started reporting on, on how to be successful with no-till, how to, how to you know, deal with the management change that is needed. It, 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 it uh, takes a very good manager to make the transition. And so I uh, started the publication in 1972, and uh, continued to go, th- you know, through the tough 1980s. We almost lost the business in, in 1989, but uh, he built it back up again. And uh, about 90, 1992, uh, decided that w- we, what we really needed to advance it was a gathering of eager no-tillers who would share and be open with one another. And, and so um, he made the decision in, in the summer of 1992 to do one in January 1993, 
and he expected 250 people to attend and more than 800 came out here in downtown Indianapolis for it and it was really tested some wills of the hotel our staff had to feed people on different levels they used every inch of square footage in the in the hotel at that time so um, yeah the 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 format we have the general sessions in the big ballrooms where everyone's together at once then we have uh, concurrent classrooms where there's five different tracks that someone can choose to to go attend and then the real magic is what we call the the peer-to-peer roundtables where there is no speaker we have a moderator who kicks it off um, but the farmers just talk to each other and say i tried this or you know does this work for you and then very it fast-tracked the understanding of no-till and, and and how to adopt it i think so starting from the beginning of the no-till conference what was no-till like then and what changes have taken place up to now to create the system into what it is right right it's a good good question um harry young uh, did the first commercial plot of no-till in uh, herndon kentucky in 1962 and didn't have the the uh, the roundup at that time. It was very very challenging. There wasn't any equipment that was made for no-till at that time. Um, Alice Chalmers, which uh, ended up being absorbed by Agco Corporation, they came out with uh, no-till specific equipment in the late late 1960s. Um, but just were getting started, and, and some of the other um, equipment manufacturers weren't real eager to see no-till take off. Uh, that means that you don't need the, the super heavy horsepower tractors, don't need the, the heavy iron to drag around the field anymore. Um, so it wasn't like it, 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 there was a bit of an uphill battle to, to one, educate, get the, the equipment manufacturers on board. Some key events like the, the field day in Tennessee helped, helped solidify it. Um, and when I know I've heard a lot of people say that when John Deere came out with their their no-till drill and their no-till planter, that's when you knew that no-till had arrived here, and and it was a, a serious part of agriculture. Still, um, like my my dad wrote this history book from Maverick to Mainstream, and that's how I would describe where we where we've come from. Uh, not quite fully mainstreamed yet, but it's growing every year, and, and um, we're getting new products specific to no-till and handling the residue, the chemical formulations to, to handle the weeds that um, you know farmers historically use tillage for. Um, but it's really given farmers their life back. Um, they don't need to be dragging things across the field all the time. Um, they, they can you know enjoy their time with their families and in kids ball games and that's kind of you hear some of that here and that's kind of gives purpose to what we're doing you know letting them farm more efficiently and more profitably let's talk a little bit more about kind of the lifestyle of no-till how does it look different from some other systems and how is it beneficial to the farmer yeah um well some some obvious ones that are benefits are the equipment costs um, like I said, we don't need the, the heavy horsepower tractors like we once did to pull plows around and, and heavy tillage tools. Um, and, 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 of course, not having to cultivate the land several times um, gives hours back. Um, the diesel cost is, is far less with, with no-till because you're not operating the equipment and dragging the tillage tools around. So a lot of these guys, um, you know, they're, they're getting ready. They plant in the spring. 
Um, they, they, they'll make a few passes on their land to take care of weeds and that in, in, in fertilize. But, um, yeah, there's a significant benefit in, in time and, and now labor. Labor is such a, such a big thing too, is that no-tills allowed some of these farmers to farm much bigger acreages than they ever could have dreamt of when they had to do all that work themselves. So here at the conference, what role has the conference and your publication played in being able to share information about no-till and take it from Maverick to mainstream? Yeah, that's, it, that's a great question. And, and the way we look at it is, is we're kind of like a, we're putting the, the party together. We're putting the show on. But the, the magic is really from all the farmers who come. And, 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 I, and that includes the speakers, of course. But like this year at the, at the event, I think we, we have 40% of the attendees are first timers. And so they're, they're here to learn. And they will learn from the general presentations in the classrooms, but where the magic really happens is that, that what we call the in the hallway networking, where they might meet someone at, at lunch like we just had, get to know them, ask them a lot of questions, and they kind of, you know, others are calling out the landmines for them. And that's what we think is really special about this. And, and, and then, of course, you know, we report on the, the best of the best ideas in No-Till Farmer magazine. Um, but, yeah, our, our role is to kind of put the, the gathering together and then get out of the way. You're listening to the Hot Soil Health Podcast. We're here at the National No-Tillage Conference, and I'm talking with Mike Lesseter from No-Till Farmer you're talking a lot about the excitement of the conference and uh, just people talking back and forth. Some of the feedback that I've heard from people who have come to this conference is that it just set them on fire. They became really excited about soil health systems and they started talking to their neighbors about it. And what are some of the success stories that you have heard over the years from people going to the conference and then going back home and implementing something that they heard about? Yeah, there's some, there's some doozies in there. Um, my dad told me a story about um, a, a farmer who came to that very first one here in Indianapolis in 1993, had not no-tilled a single acre, and uh, called back a couple weeks later and said he sold off his plow and he was going 100% in no-till on 100% of his acres, <laughs> which is not normally what we would recommend for someone. Um, but he, he came to that event, was so impassioned by it, and, and ran the economics and figured this is what he was going to do. And he also made the decision to sell off the, the toys so he couldn't go back to it. He was, he was all in, and he was destined to make it work. And it was, it was hard back then, um, a total management change there. Um, we, we hear a lot of stories about that, is that um, some people came and said, you know, I, this reinvigorated me about farming and, and, and how I could move to no-till and, and carry more acres, again, have more time for my family to do what we want to do, um, and a lot of friendships. Um, that's, that's the coolest part. We have, we have six people who've been to all 32 of them, which is just amazing to me. Um, and we have a, a lot that are 20, 20 and above. I'm, I have 20 this year because I, I missed the first few when I was working in Chicago before I came back to the family business. Um, but it, it, there is very much a family reunion element to this. And I think it dates back to what started here in 1993 is that um, at that time, as I understand it, a lot of farmers were 
who were interested in no-till and doing no-till were sort of avoided the coffee shop because there was some, still some ridicule um, back there that was called ugly farming or lazy farming. And, and uh, they caught some heat there. And when we put the, this gathering together, they, they sort of found their own people and uh, were very open, uh, sharing, sharing knowledge that you wouldn't have expected in a, in a local regional meeting. Part of that is because some of these you know, people were hundreds of miles away. Um, but there's a lot of stories about the, the specialness and the uniqueness of the, of the group that uh, we're real proud to be to have a small role in that. So talk a little bit about no-till and the no-till system that adds to soil health. What is the message of no-till and what is the goal of having that system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we, we look at the no-till system. It's about leaving the residue on the, on the soil. Um, that cares for the soil all year long. Um, if you look at some of the other things that have happened out there in tillage areas, a lot of dust, a lot of, of soil ends up in the ditches or runs off. Um, the, the purists that you meet here, they, they want to keep the soil exactly where it was and that their, their grandfathers had taken care of um, too. So there's very much, very conservation oriented, um, you know, keeping that, keeping that soil going. Cover crops has become a very big thing here to keep something growing on that soil all, all year long. Keep it where it is. Keep it, keep the nutrients there. Um, earthworms are an enormous benefit of the no-till, no-till system. If you, you know, go and dig a, dig up a farm that's been in no-till for some time, you'll see an incredible population of earthworms who are doing that important work below the, below the surface. So, um, very conservation oriented. Um, we have, you know, the, the traditional no-till, we'll use chemical to get rid of that, that, the weed. We also have this regenerative movement that is uh, reducing the inputs out there. And we have a speaker here who's also talking about how he's made organic no-till work. So a lot of interesting things happening right now and a lot of ten- attention nationally with the Climate Smart programs on, on what no-till can do for the environment, for the economy, all the way around. Yeah, and with that attention, um, what kinds of benefits have you seen for having that attention to no-till and the soil health systems? Yeah, I think the, the understanding on soil health has is, is come, come up uh, tremendously in a short period of time. And, of course, everyone in, in, in my job as an ag media person is, is covering that right now. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of dollars available to move toward conservation agriculture uh, systems and we we think that um, that it's it it's here for a significant growth curve um, we also have a, another publication called strip till farmer at our place and what we're seeing there is that um, there's some conventionally tilled farmers who no till seem like maybe too much of a stretch to go to um, strip till is is kind of the the best of both worlds We've seen people move to strip till, who have also then, over the over the course of time, moved to no till, and so there's there's just a lot going on. We have, in addition to our no till farmer publication, we also publish, like I said, strip till farmer, and cover crop strategies is our newest one that is all about how to how to make this cover crop system work. One of the things that I found interesting in looking through the program at some of the different topics is that. 
some of the speakers are talking about the challenges with no-till. Uh, there's one roundtable discussion that talks about slugs. Um, there's one speaker who's talking about both the benefits and challenges of no-till. What is the philosophy behind that in talking about the tough things along with the good things? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, it's, it was never intended to be a rah-rah, no-tills, great, you know, uh, program that we've, you, you can see some other ones doing that. There was another one um, at the time that was getting started about the same time we were. Um, it was my dad's philosophy that, you know, to do this right, we have to talk about the challenges as well as the successes um, and, and really kind of unearth them. We don't want anyone to um, have a lack of information when moving into the, this concept. And, and some of the best presentations that you'll see here this week were, to, were that very thing that, you know, th this is what I encountered in year one. This is what, uh, how I managed it in year two, and, and then so on and so forth. And it, it can take some time to get it where you need to go. Um, and then the, as the new tools and hybrids and cover crop mixes come out, there's constant evolution. It's very, very, very dynamic, which also is part of the fun of it. So talking about this system taking some time to get into and get past those challenges, what would you say to someone who wanted to start no-till, but they were encountering some, some of those challenges and were thinking, is this really worth the long-term effort? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would invite them to come here and, and network fully. Um, upon returning home, um, there's, there's, where, where no-till really grows is there's always a support system there. Um, the extension people or a fellow farmer who will open up for field days or, you know, the, the associations, the farmer-led uh, associations and organizations that are dotting, dotting the countryside. So, um, yeah, our message, and I think most of the people here would say, don't, don't do it alone. You know, use, your, use your, the, your resources. Some of the equipment dealers are very, not all of them, but some of them are vo very well-versed in how to make this system work. And, and there's a lot of resources out there to do it. And, and we, we're, we're doing our best to try to make that easier for them. But, um, of course, it, it, it takes some, you know, shoe leather back at home to make it happen, too. So this is a dynamic conference with a lot of dynamic speakers. Let's think about the future now. What does the future of the no-till system look like? And what does the future of the no-till conference look like as well? Yeah, the, the, the outlook for no-till, there, there's still significant growth that is still out there. Um, we're, we're, you know, in the 30s and 40% of adoption rates. You go to other, other nations around the world, and some of them are here this week, where they've adopted no-till much faster because they had to, Brazil being, being one example. The soil erosion was so, so critical that they had to do something, and they turned to no-till and really made it work in a, in a very high adoption rate there. Um, I think that the, the conference, we, we like to try some new things with it. I uh, like to find a wow factor every year, but I think that the, the format has proven itself out over the last 32 years, so we're probably unlikely to mess with the format a whole lot. Um, but yeah, we, we, we'll, we'll try to, we have an advisory board who tells us what, what they think we should do and, 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 you know, good presenters. And we have many from the state of Indiana here. Indiana has been great to us. Um, this is a state that really does have the resources 
the amazing resources to help farmers get there. And that's why there's more no-till in Indiana than there is in, say, Illinois. Part of the reason, I'm sure. We had, had great support here in the state of Indiana. Mike Starkey um, held a pre-conference workshop out at his farm. That's the first time we've ever done that, is, is go to a farmer's uh, place for the, the pre-conference webinar. And, and he had several uh, speakers from here in the state of Indiana showed everybody how his planter was set up and, and uh, great, great learning and just great support here. Tell us more about that pre-conference tour. What gave you the, the idea to do that? Well, we, we have uh, often had conf- pre-conference workshops um, that we ho- hold at the, the host hotel. Um, what we hadn't done um, was, was go out to someone's farm and, and really let them see the operation, understand the challenges, the planter setups. Everyone is always interested in how a fellow no-tiller is, is setting up their, their planter for their local conditions. And so that, the ability to, to go in there and to you know, walk his facility, look at, look at how things are set up was really, really important to a lot of people. And so I think there, I want to say there was 100 or so people out there yesterday that came in early just to, to take in the Mike Starkey farm experience. And how many people are at the conference this year? We think we're with walk-ups, we'll probably be north of 800. Um, that was the number I, I just checked on a moment ago. Um, and, and from that, there were 263 first-timers, which is exciting for us because now there's, there's more people going back to their communities and, and, and sharing what they learned and what they think the prospect is for no-tillage. So we're, we're always thrilled to see the first-timers and... I know the old guard, those you know, people who've been for 20 years or more, they're, they're, they're encouraged and high-stepping when they see the, the younger folks coming in. Yes, and you talked about the international community coming in as well. What countries are represented and what are some of the challenges that they're seeing in their uh, no-till systems? Yeah, it, that's, a, that's a great question. We always get some internationals. It's, we, we don't really market to them. Uh, we're really a North American publication is how we view ourselves. But... We have people from the Czech Republic, Ukraine, Canada, Hungary, Brazil, Italy. Um, we've got a, a group of farmers uh, that are coming over from Ukraine. They're, they're, they got in here uh, this morning um, that f- through some support of the, the Howard Buffett Foundation. Um, he, he is very active in the Ukraine and, and trying to help the farmers there um, get up and going and, and increase their standard of living and, and, and you know, farm as, as he recommends that it be done with no-till and cover crops. And so we, that was a very uh, generous and special program that w- it was one of the first timers where we, first times that we had done that, a group of Ukrainian farmers. And they have, I'm looking forward to speaking with, with them through the translator just to hear about the challenges they're having right now, which is mo- far more than just soil health and economics of farming, right? Yes, there's a lot going on in that area, and uh, Howard Buffett, with him helping them, I see that you have him on the program for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What will he be speaking about? He's, um, this is the first time he's been to the conference in about 10 years, maybe, maybe even a little longer. Um, he is a major champion of no-till. He's got farms uh, all over the Midwest and, and worldwide. Um, he, it's a moderated discussion with Barry Fisher, who's r- right here from the state of Indiana, too, 
Um, and I'm not certain ex- exactly what we're going to see yet. But uh, Howard, uh, he's he's fun to listen to. He he's got wonderful stories, and um, I'm sure he's going to to share his vision of how no-till is the 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 um, solution to a lot of the world's famine. That's that's a, uh, a, a topic very close to his heart. Um, I will say the last time that that he spoke was a very emotional um, and, and wonderful presentation over dinner um, like 13 years or so ago and he, he surprised everybody with a gift at every place setting there that was just a one of those moments that uh, you can't re- easily repeat but uh, just a, a great supporter a great friend of our organization and we're, we're fortunate to to have that support. And what are some of your favorite moments from the conferences over the years? Oh, there's, there's, boy, there's a lot of them. Um, we've had people who met here who uh, got engaged and got married. We've had several marriage proposals take take place here. Um, yeah, just it had some. There's there's a lot of fun uh, with with this you know crowd who knows it knows itself very well. Um, a lot of Packers and Bears jokes, of course, but um, yeah, there's just been there's been so many I, I, tough to tough to single one out. There's been a lot of them, and it's just very very positive group. Um, one thing that that hap- you know, when you're in the event business, some things will go wrong, and the farmers just roll with it and are there to to support us with this Jamie Scott thing I was just telling you about the. Hotel was scrambling to get chairs in, and the farmers stepped up and, and, and unloaded all the chairs for them. No one asked them to. It's just it's how they do things, and well, I feel very fortunate to work in this business. So if somebody was to ask you, why should I come to the National No-Tillage Conference, what would you say? I would say the number one reason to come is because for this two, two and a half days that you'll spend here, you will go home reinvigorated about what you're doing. You'll, you'll validate the path that you're on, or you will learn something that will challenge that path that you are on. And it's, a, it's a, just a, a think tank. Um, it's, it's high energy. Um, you'll meet some great friends, some people you wouldn't, you know, and, and boy, to, to, to meet a, a great friend, a farmer in another state, that uh, you can draw on and, and you know have their have their number in your phone to, to call when you have a problem. I, th- I think it's invaluable. But um, the knowledge is certainly something that uh, is difficult to put an ROI on. Um, but you'll enjoy the conference, and you and I do think you'll go home uh, feeling energized and enthusiastic about the changes you're going to make for the the coming year. And a lot of people do do make changes having the uh, conference in January this far ahead of uh, planting, it gives us time to, to test some things out, do some trials, uh, take a look at doing some different things. So Mike Lesseter with No-Till Farmer here on the Hat Soil Health Podcast with us. As we wrap up, what final thoughts would you have for our audience? Um, just uh, appreciate the chance to, to talk with you. Thank, thank you for the invitation and, and um, we're just very excited about the prospects of, of no-till and, and the other conservation ag practices, cover crops. Um, the, the, the no-tillers have adopted cover crops tenfold of the, the average farmer. Um, and we just think there's great days ahead. And, and, and if, if, if we can help any of you figure that out, we'd love that, the opportunity to do so. And how would someone contact you for that support? 
Yeah, the, the easiest way would be to go to the website. It's www.notillfarmer.com. And uh, we have, we have a, you know, in addition to the, the print publication, we have virtual events. We have one coming up for cover cropping. Um, we run a summer event on the strip tillage uh, practice. And, um, yeah, there's, there's daily email newsletters that can be signed up. We, we're trying to really put together a comprehensive library to help people make that transition. Mike, thanks so much for this conversation live at the 32nd Annual National No-Tillage Conference. It's great to talk with you and learn more about uh, the event. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity, Elise. Really appreciate it. We also have with us Hans Koch on the podcast, and he has been to 25 out of the 32 National No-Tillage Conferences. What is it about this conference that you enjoy so much that you've been to so many? Well, I've been in the, the no-till industry and uh, regenerative agriculture for 30, 40 years now. And this is the one conference that is really a big uplifter the whole year. You get a lot of skeptical people, oh, I cannot do no-till, it won't work on my soils. You come to this conference, most of the speakers are farmers who are actually doing these practices and have been doing for a long time, or even newbies that are just starting. And it's always really uplifting and, and positive that you get a great group of people who have been doing the things you're promoting all year long, and people are pushing back that it won't work. And so here you come, and yes, it does work. So you mentioned being a promoter of no-till. What is your uh, position and what is your occupation as far as promoting the no-till system? So right now I'm an independent crop, uh, conservation consultant based out of Indianapolis. Uh, before that I worked for uh, extension services in Kansas, in uh, Washington, the state of Idaho, promoting um, uh, conservation tillage, uh, no-till, water conservation, and uh, so I've been in a num number of different number of different roles doing the same thing basically. And uh, so the, the no-till conference has always been the one I didn't want to miss every year because that's exactly what that's all about, and it gives you a whole different aspect uh, to the field than the professional conferences that are out there, like the American Society of Agronomy. It's nice for technical stuff, but if you really want to know about how farmers are implementing this on their farm, how to actually make money and they're successful with it, this is the conference to go to. So Mike's been talking about the importance of no-till systems and soil health. We like hearing about soil health here on the Hat Soil Health podcast. Why is no-till an important system for farmers? Well, it started out as erosion control. We had some horrific erosion in uh, certain places in the United States and worldwide, actually, and people figured out with no-till you can really bring that down dramatically. But uh, in general, in agriculture, we have really neglected one part of the system, and that's the biology. We've looked at the soil for a long time as kind of a little chemistry set. It just holds the plant roots in place, and you add what the plants need, fertilizers, insecticide, pesticides, whatever you need. And we have not really studied what is happening below the soil. And uh, over the years, we figured out that is a very important part of it. And if you neglect that, uh, that is more than half the equation of, of farming that you're ignoring. So it's a good thing that uh, the, the, the whole system is changing that way to talk about soil health. I mean, I bet you 20 years ago, you get left out of a room if you talked about soil health, because 
what what soil soil erosion was already a kind of a taboo topic you didn't want to talk about because it takes a bush five bushels of soil to get a bushel of crop that was the adage and they didn't realize all the off-farm costs that associated with it the dead zones in the gulf of mexico and and now basically having our whole agriculture really dependent on serious inputs you see a lot of these folks that are doing no-till and especially the ones that introduce cover crops in that whole uh, equation and looking more as a regenerative approach to agriculture, those inputs are not nearly as important and they can withstand uh, big wild changes in weather, uh, much better on their farm, droughts, floods, because uh, the soil takes in water much better, it holds the water much better, and so the crops do much better under, under really uh, extreme conditions. So it's beautiful to see that a group of farmers have figured out how to make that work on their place. And as you probably see from the, uh, the number of farmers here and where they are from, this is an international conference. We have people from South America, we have people from Europe, uh, Asia, uh, and, and everywhere in the United States. And so it shows that wherever you are, whatever your soils are, whatever your climate is, somebody's figured out how to make this system work. And it's really very powerful to be among a group of people like that. So Hans, we've mentioned a little bit about with Mike about some of the challenges that no-till farmers face. One of the unique areas of this conference is that speakers are talking about challenges like slugs or comparing benefits versus challenges. Why do you find it important that we're talking about some of those obstacles that no-till farmers might face here at the conference? It's usually important because, uh, like one of the speakers mentioned today even, the magazines give all this rosy picture of how things are going to go and the success stories because that's what people want to read. But here in this conference, people are very willing to share their failures, which is at least as important. speaker this morning said, uh, of the 10 things he tries, eight might not work. And the two are so important for him to move forward on the farm that he keeps taking those risks and trying those things. And that is one thing people need to realize. There is no cookbook for these systems. You have to really make it work for your condition on your farm, your soils, your climate, your crop rotation. Although a lot of farmers in this conference, after attending it for a number of years, are really changing their crop rotations, which goes totally against the system we have right here in, in the U.S. right now and even in Europe with commodity crops getting really pushed. Uh, we have people reintroducing wheat and, and, and alternative crops in their rotation because they can actually make money doing that and it is very good for their soil and makes their system more uh, resilient. The other thing is that uh, we have really separated livestock from crop uh, farming and that works to a certain extent but if you start reintegrating those either by working with livestock producers or introducing livestock back to your own operation it gives you a whole bigger uh, array of options on making your farm successful even with people not wanting to deal with livestock if you can team up with a livestock producer uh, it gives them an option uh, to graze their uh, cattle on different fields and uh, some of the technology coming on board right now with fenceless uh, pastures uh, on cattle it's it's pretty mind-boggling what the options are now for farmers so of your 25 years attending the conference here what are some of the moments that really stand out for you it's always the farmers. Uh, 
because most of the speakers are farmers. Now, I worked for Extension all those years, and I've been a speaker at this conference a couple times. But um, farmers basically explaining why they changed. And some of these farmers were on the brink of losing the farm, and they had to make a drastic change. And hearing their their stories, their heartbreaking stories about, about losing the farm, but by going to no-till and uh, reintegrating livestock in their operations and then doing some really drastic things that even in the extension system we didn't understand when they started doing them and then hearing the stories how successful they were with them that that is the, the highlight every year there's always some farmer that has something figured out and that's the beauty of this conference we're here with hans Koch live at the national no tillage conference he's an independent consultant so hans what do you see in your work as far as some success stories with no-till I've always been very uh, dependent on farmers. Uh, when I, as a university person, uh, even I was talking about uh, no-till and, and all, what all the benefits were, I always tried to have farmers with me on the program because I would go back to the university campus after I gave my talk. These farmers get on the tractor and go actually do it. So I tried to explain the principles and then the farmers do the on-the-ground stuff. and. This is the place to find these great folks you can work with and uh, that, that are good speakers on top of that because a lot of farmers are kind of shy and, and they want to be on their own on the farm. The people here are much more outgoing and they're willing to share their stories and that's the beauty of it. They, uh, they're open to people asking questions. They're willing to adf- admit to their failures and that's the beauty of this conference. Hans Koch, any final thoughts as we start to wrap up? When you see the National No-Till Conference coming to your general area, it's usually uh, moving back and forth through the Midwest, coming out, you get to uh, talk to a lot of farmers, also in very different cropping systems. Yeah, it's a very interesting conference. What advice would you give for somebody who's interested in no-till and doesn't quite know where they want to start? This conference might be a little overwhelming because we have uh, from beginners to very uh, advanced no-tellers, but it's good to get the vibe and find a place uh, where you can go to ask questions. Uh, The organizers of this conference, Lasseter Publications, have No-Till Farmer. That's a great magazine to subscribe to. It's a monthly, and uh, you can get a lot of information from farmers who are putting things on the ground. And there are groups of farmers nationwide talking about these topics. Uh, there's some, uh, some on, the, on the social media, there's some groups where people really can get a lot of information. Got to be a little careful as a beginning farmer that you find somebody not too far away from you who's actually been doing it because conditions are so different in different states. You can get a fabulous story out of Oklahoma and it will never work for you in, uh, in Indiana. So between finding a support group of farmers who've been doing these kind of practices and finding somebody not too far from your place to see what the details are, how you can make it work. And Hans, if somebody wanted to learn more about your work or get a hold of you for support, where could they find you? Uh, HansKokeLLC at gmail.com uh, is probably the best place to get a hold of me. All right. Thank you so much, Hans, for joining us on the podcast today. You're welcome. For Who's Your Ag Today, I'm Elise Koning. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hat Soil Health Podcast brought to you by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. This episode of the Who's Your Ag Today Soil Health Podcast has been brought to you by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative. You can learn more about their efforts and see a schedule of events at ccsin.org. 
Thanks for joining us. And until next time, create your riches below the surface with healthy soil.